Turn in your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Pastor Snow asked me if I'd bring a short devotional message for the afternoon service, and um, so my mind went to a text that is, to me, are you blessed by the scriptures? I'm blessed by these hymns, too. I, I was listening as we sang the church's one foundation. The truth in that thing is mind-boggling. Uh, it stretches the imagination what God does, what God puts together, and how God does it. Is, we have an amazing God. Ephesians chapter 1, and let's begin reading with verse number 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. Obviously this is the Apostle Paul and he's talking about his relationship with the Lord and he's talking about his prayer life. So he says that he includes these Ephesian believers in his prayers. Now for what does he pray? Say, all right, what's, what, what's, what's the goal? What's the prayer? What's the request? All right, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all in all. When you talk to God and you make requests to him, what do you ask for? You know, in this morning's message, I dealt largely with how we think, how we think. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say a man is never able to rise any higher than he's able by the grace of God to think. And that's true. And that's absolutely true. What you think of yourself governs how you treat yourself and how you relate to others. Thought processes are just all over the place in life. And Paul is dealing with our thinking He's dealing here in chapter 1 of Ephesians with the unbelievable, unfathomable greatness and goodness of God. What a God who in the counsels of eternity conceives every living human being by name in advance of the existence of the universe in which we live. This is just mind-boggling stuff and, and, and Paul knows that, that we, we go through difficulties. Life is hard. If, if I've learned anything in 60 years of pastoral ministry is life is not easy. I don't know anybody that has an easy life. Do you? There's no easy way to do anything. 
There's no easy way to be a school teacher, no easy way to be a doctor or a nurse, no easy way to be an accountant, no easy way to be a mechanic. No, there's no easy way to be anything, no easy way to be a husband. There is no easy way. A good deacon of mine in Southern California used to say, you've got to work at it three times a day. Uh, none, of this, none of this, all this comes under, under resistance. We're in a sin-cursed world. And, and so... Um, Nothing is easy. It's not easy to be a pastor, build a church, to teach Sunday school. Nothing's easy. It wasn't easy to cook that dinner out there. Somebody knew what he was doing. Uh, the cow almost said moo <laughs> during, during the morning service. Uh, but but there's just, just, there is nothing easy, and Paul knew that. And he knew that if we didn't understand some things about our relationship with God and our relationship with life, Life, we would not make the right decisions in life. We wouldn't take the right directions in life. Paul, Paul knew that, so he lays a foundation for that uh, in this particular text. He talks about the God of glory uh, and uh, giving us a spirit of revelation, wisdom and revelation. And the word revelation is disclosure. It means to take the cover off of things. It means to expose to view things that you don't know and understand. And it comes through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, I, I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. Now, the, the, the Greek runs a hot dog stand and the Hebrew runs a clothing store. You know, hey, Abby, turn on the blue light. The man wants a blue suit. So, so at any rate, why um, the, the word here, uh, knowledge, is, is one of the two Greek words. This one has a preposition attached to the, to the first of it. It's, it's a, an experiential knowledge, uh, but this is a fuller, more comprehensive knowledge. It's epignosis instead of just gnosis. And so, so this, this is, this is, this is that, that God just might open your eyes to a more extensive, personal comprehension of who Jesus Christ is and, and of what you have in him, uh, what the treasure that he is uh, as our wonderful Savior and Lord. So that we'll get a spirit of wisdom and disclosure, things we didn't know before. The more we know of Christ, the more we know of life. The more we know of Christ, the more we know of creation, because he's the creator. Yes? Well, how do you find out about, about your vehicle? Anybody here ever buy a new car? It's like out of reach for most people. But you buy a new car, and if you've got any sense, nowadays with all of the electronics in it, you, you've got to study what's on that dashboard. It'll take you a week to learn which buttons to press so that the thing doesn't blow up, turn over, and do somersaults on you. You, <laughs> you, 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 anyway, uh, but, but it's the owner's manual. But the owner's manual is, 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 is put together by the ones who designed the car. And the one who designed your life is the one who's got your answers. And a fuller knowledge of him is a fuller knowledge of life. It's a fuller knowledge of what you need to know as a believer in Christ. So he's, he's praying that, that this might be our blessing, that the verse 18, the eyes of our understanding might be enlightened with, with a specific purpose that you may know. Three different things here that you may know. And the word know here is not an experiential knowledge. It is a mental comprehension all right? You have to think this thing through. You have to think this thing through. A mental comprehension. 
And actually, the three things are, are very strangely presented in the Greek text. They could be three questions. Uh, the question number one in verse 18, what is the hope of his calling? If I were to ask you that question, what would you say? What is the hope of the calling of God? Well, you say, what's the calling of God? Well, the calling of God is the work of the Spirit drawing you to God himself and into the will and ways of God. The calling of God is drawing you into the plans and purposes of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit of God working in your heart and in your mind, drawing you to God and his plans and purposes, all right? What kind of hope is attached to that? All right, what is the hope of your calling? That's the first question. You can't know unless you know Jesus Christ, the creator, and the one, remember we talked about the Ionos, historically, how God has created every period of human history. He's created the context of history in which you are personally personally living. All of that he has created and put together for you. So Paul says the problem with believers is, that you see, we see the present. Dr. Bob Jones used to say, we, we sing about the sweet by and by, and we live in the nasty now and now. And, and in the nasty now and now, our, our, our vision gets clouded, uh, and, and Paul says we've got to see beyond the difficulties. We talked about endurance this morning. We've got to see beyond the difficulties to where we see that there is hope. The final outcome is good. Abraham, you're going to have to wait a lifetime and you'll only see part of it. The rest of it you'll see by faith in the future. When you get to heaven, it all comes together in the picture. When, 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 the, when the story of God's creation is, is written out, it'll all come together. Didn't, isn't there a song, We'll Understand It By and By? Is that, is that, is that a song? Uh, we'll Understand It By and By. But, but we don't now. We see as, as in a glass darkly. But Paul says there is a final outcome. There is a, an expectation that you need to have based on the knowledge of Jesus Christ, your creator, who never calls anyone into a second-class life, second-class calling. There, there is no second class aboard God's train. Everybody's first class. Everybody's first class. And I'm looking at the clock up there. Okay, I'll, I'll stay with it. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the, the final outcome, the expectation. And if, if you look in the Word of God, there is a certainty of reward. There is, we read about it in, in the Hebrews 11 this morning, uh, how that there is a return, a reward on everything that's done for God. And God without fail rewards everything and anything that we do in His name for His glory according to His will and His ways. God is a great rewarder. He is a rewarder of those that, that seek him. That we read that in chapter 11. The rewarder of those who seek him. And seek him means you find a partnership with him. That's, that's a tremendous concept. We, we're living in the will of God is living with part, in partnership with God. Fellowship with God is a life partnership with God. And that's a 24-7 thing. Now, believers shortchange their faith all over the place. They, they make it a Sunday morning thing, a church attendance thing. It's not. It's 24-7. Walking with God in partnership with God, partnership in every relationship in life you have, every activity of life you have, everything is a partnership with God. The hope of his calling, the final outcome is glorious. Secondly, what are the riches 
of the glory of his inheritance in the saints in verse number 18. Now that's a strange thing. That's a strange thing. I'm a pastor. I've never had a perfect saint in my church. And my church has never had a perfect pastor. All the saints, including the pastor, have warts and imperfections. I was talking with someone this morning. One of the things that that Christians never do, listen, every believer that I have ever met has a front of intense spiritual battle going on in his or her life. There is no believing child of God that is exempt from spiritual battle in his or her life. And it doesn't matter if you're my age, 80, or if you're 150, it doesn't matter how long you live. Now, are you awake? Now, the problem with that is this. We are intimidated because we think nobody else is going through something. Like we are. And the fact of the matter is everybody else is. We compare ourselves by what we think of know, that we know of other people. They don't come and spill their, their troubles to us on Sunday and say, I've got this fault and this problem and I've, I've been fighting this battle for years in my Christian life. That's the address I live at. And I know if I live at that address, you live at that address. And I know that you are a saint and I know you have imputed righteousness on your account in heaven. You know what imputed righteousness is? It's the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ put into your personal account. It's your personal possession in spite of the battles that you fight. See? I know that. And I know that somehow God has had to put up with a lot in my life. I think you live at that address. Baptist confession time. Okay, okay so, so I know you live at that address. But I know God loves me. And I know his love is unconditional. It's eternal. It's infinite. I know that. At the same time, and by the way, God knows our faults more than we'll ever discover them. If you want to know how deep the problems run, and if it weren't for the cross of Jesus, and by the way, do you know what God did about those problems? got to be careful here with, with the clock. God, God took us in Christ and crucified us because he could never take us to heaven like we were. He included us in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how he dealt with that. And it's because of the work of the cross and our being included in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that God can day by day love us and open his heart to us and open his blessing to us as believers. It's a wonderful thing. The riches... What is a rich? How many, how many would like to be rich? And I mean, I'd like to be rich. I'd like to have those kind of resources for life. Would you? I know what I'd uh, Well, I don't know what I'd do with it. I really don't because I, there's not enough that I want. Uh, I'd, I'd just love to be able to do a lot more than I'm able to do. The riches, the wealth, it's wealth. Then glory, it's glorious. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. True wealth, glory, inheritance. This is God's divine treasury, and his treasury is in the saints. I'll share something with you. You know, there are times 
in pastoral life, at times in your personal life when the lights go on and it really makes a difference, right? The lights go on. There, there, there's, there are things that just come to you that just help and bless you. Many years ago, and I don't recall where I was or what it was, but, but I found as a pastor that some people are, not, are, hard, are, hard, to, uh, are hard to love. Somebody wrote a book. Did you ever read it? All My Flock Smells Like Sheep. And somebody else, I think, wrote about all the well-intentioned alligators in the church. Um, this, this, these, these are reflections on, reflections on the saints. But it occurred to me one day that God loved every one of the people in my church, and it didn't matter what their problems were. God loved them. And the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, if God loves them, you love them. God is not asking you to like the problems. God is asking you to love the people. And I have a saying, my friends are my friends, warts and all. And I don't have a friend that doesn't have warts. And you don't either. Okay, so we are to love the people of God because God loves them. They are a treasure. What are these people in the heart and mind of God? What does he say? The riches of the glory of his inheritance in what? The saints. In the saints. And I've got something on my notes here. Tragically, we measure the value of others by the level of perfection we find in them. Woo. Tragically, we measure the value of others by the level of perfection we find in them. I'm just as guilty as you are, and you are just as guilty as I am. I've made my confession. You make yours. Okay. Now, question number three. What is the exceeding greatness of God's power? This is an amazing section. I read this through, and when I got done, my head was literally swimming. There, anybody know what an adjective is? What's an adjective? What's an adjective? What's an adjective? It describes a person, place, or thing. And, and what is a superlative? Anybody know what a su? It's got super, superlative. What is a superlative? Help me with that one. Superlative. It's a comparison, and in what way? It's the greatest of the greatest of the great. Uh, I think what what is it? Little Caesars that has the best and the bestest and the mostest you can buy. That's a superlative. It's it's supposed to be uh, supposed to be a greater pizza than the regular pizza, and doesn't have to be very great to be that. <laughs> but it's a super, superlative, the bestest and the mostest. Okay, but there are superlatives and adjectives through this thing. Paul. 
is here talking about the resources, the ultimate resources, the infinite provisions. Are you with me now? I want to put a word in here for the impossibilities that we face in life. And we all face things that, humanly speaking, are impossible. We can't do it. We have not the mental acuity. We have not the spiritual acuity, emotional strength. We look at the thing and we say, I am not going to be able to handle this. I, or I'm in the middle of something and it's just overwhelming to me and I, I, cannot, I, I cannot continue on under these circumstances. So he's talking about ultimate resources, infinite provisions for impossibilities. There are three words. Look at verse number, look at verse number 19. All right. Notice toward the end is the word power. Is the word power. Now I joke. I have this, I have this walker up here. And I have one with four wheels that I do my walking with. I walk about five blocks a day. I have to keep my legs somehow exercised, and it helps my stability. So I call this my Volkswagen, and I, I call the other one my Lamborghini. <laughs> and I tell everybody it's got, it's got 16 cylinders, uh, which, which it doesn't. But, but power. We, we measure power in automobiles by the cylinders, and then they have ways to measure the horsepower and the, all of those kinds of things. But, but power is energy that, that enables you to overcome resistance of various, various kinds. There's the word power, but notice now there's another word. <coughs> there's an adjective. Notice greatness of his power. Look, look at the text, if you will, verse number 19. Notice greatness of his power that you might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power, okay? So it's not just power, but it is great power. Now, I was watching uh, some kind of a documentary on YouTube the other day, and it was about the, it was about the P-38, the P-38, and the P-38, Pastor Hallberg flew one of those, if you knew him, uh, he flew a P-38 in the Second World War. And the P-38 went after the atomic bombing in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The P-38 was the airplane that followed in following that and took the pictures of the damage. Of the damage. And, and the pilot said the damage, we, we, we took pictures of damage from bombs and all bombings all over the world. But there was nothing but nothing but nothing like this bomb. And we wondered what in the world wrought that kind of devastation. That's what you call great power. Great power. But now let's look at this verse again, verse 19, that you might know what is the exceeding greatness. Now this is a superlative. The surpassing over and above and beyond the greatness of this power. There is nothing that can exceed this power. There is nothing that can resist this power. There is nothing that can withhold this power. How else could he say it? The surpassing over and beyond 
exceeding, surpassing greatness of power. All right, are you ready for the clincher? Help me. Are you ready for the clincher? It's in a, anybody know what a preposition is? Some theologians chase prepositions through the universe, trying to figure everything out. But there's a preposition here. Notice what is the exceeding greatness of his power, and then what, what is the next word? Toward us, to usward. Now that word to usward is a preposition, and the preposition is this. Are you ready? Into us. Into us. It's available to us. It's given to us. It's the believer's resource. Into us. That makes it personal. It's not that God is just this big, huge, powerful, domineering God up here. He's one that loves every individual, designed, engineered every life in eternity, put us all together, conceived us, brought us into being in the right day, in the right age, at the right time, in the right place. And he's put us in the right set of circumstances. And in these circumstances, we are powerless. And so God, through his Son and the work of the cross of Jesus Christ, arranges a way where this exceeding great power can be poured into us. That, listen, if we don't make it that way, we won't make it. That's how we're going to make it. That's how we're going to make it. And this great power is in accordance with, it is consistent with, a certain thing that happened in human history. What would be the greatest, most powerful miracle in human history on planet Earth? What would be the greatest miracle? It would be the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That would be the greatest miracle. And he says, in accordance with the working of his mighty power. Now, notice the word mighty is not just power. It's mighty power, which he wrought in Christ. Now, this is interesting. Anybody here heard of the Energizer Bunny? And, and there's, a great, there's a great debate now in America of this green energy stuff. Well, if the wind blows and the sun shines, you might be okay. And if it doesn't, you're not. Uh, it's, it's energy. Energy runs our economy. There will be no Western civilization without energy. You can't, you, you can't go home without energy. And it will either be your pedal extremities or it'll be your car. But it will take energy to get you home. Energy, everything involves energy. And he's talking about the working, the energizing, God's power energizing, poured into Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead. And he did more than that. He set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now notice again the superlatives. Will you look at your Bibles, please? Verse number 21. Look, verse number 21. Far above, not only above, far above all. Now notice that you, you get these, these, these words, these adjectives, and these superlatives. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every, notice again, it's not just, just the big shots, every name that is named. Not only in this world, that's this age 
this Ionos, this period of history that's at work in our world today. You say, will the, will the right people ever win? Well, it doesn't matter what happens to the Republicans and the Democrats, but I promise you in the end, God is going to win this whole thing. And Jesus Christ is going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is going to rule the nations. But also that in that which is to come. And he's put everything. The word put means is a military term. It means to arrange in order under the authority. It means he is going to exercise his authority. He's going to put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Life changes the more we personally know God. Life changes the more we personally understand Jesus Christ. This is amazing to me. Jesus Christ is the creator. All things came into existence through him. Apart from him, nothing exists that, that it has being. He is the creator, but listen, this, this is amazing. You want to talk about comparative religions? Our creator is our personal redeemer. And he is the one that is going to come and recreate all of this business in a new heaven and a new earth. And we are his sons and we are his daughters. If we know this, Life is different. Our expectations are different. That you might know the hope of his calling. We do not serve God in vain. That we might understand the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And that we might know the exceeding greatness of his power into us. Which he energized, wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and exalted him above all rule, authority, and power. All of this is under his feet. The work of the cross settles every issue in life. When Jesus Christ came out of that tomb, it was resolved that God had claims and rights again to everything. And that the work of Christ when given place in the individual life would prevail over everything that life can throw at it. May God encourage your hearts. May you know the hope of his calling. May, may, you, may you work and labor and live in hope and in prospect of the blessing of God. May you love the saints like God loves them and treasure them like God treasures them. And may you understand that we serve a wonderful God who will give us in every issue of life everything that we need. May the Lord bless you and serve him faithfully. You know what my favorite benediction is? I have a favorite benediction. It's real spiritual. Go for it! Amen. Well, we're children of God. And, and we, need, we need to grab a hold of life because our God is in charge. 
What happens to us doesn't matter. It's about him. It's not about us. About him and not about us. And may the Lord give us just a new zeal to know him, serve him.